This is Growth Decoded to Go, a podcast from a show that helps you grow your business by figuring out the customer experience, one piece at a time. We do this to share our findings with you, wherever you are. Because this podcast is only the audio portion of the show, there might be some references to visuals. But don't fret, because we've included links to the video version of the show in the podcast description. All right, let's get into it. Ahoy there, Internet, and welcome back to Growth Decoded, that one show about the customer experience with the plant co-host. I'm your host, Ernie Santarelli, and this leafy green delight here is Plantasia. What is Web3? What can you buy with cryptocurrency? Bitcoin and Ethereum seem like they'd be pretty good names for a goldfish, but what are they? And why are they always only surging or crashing? And can somebody please tell me what the heck non-fungible means? Bob Dylan once wrote, the times they are a-changing. And yeah, Bobby, they are. Have you heard any of the following things? Cryptocurrency, NFTs, Social tokens, the metaverse, Web 3.0. Chances are you have, maybe on the news, maybe at a family party talking to your adolescent nephew, maybe on a billboard or an advertisement somewhere, or maybe on social media. If you're like most people, you have some cursory understanding of them, maybe some definition that you've Frankenstein together in your head. Well, I wanted to get to the bottom of it. I wanted to understand these things, and I had a chance to talk with two gentlemen who have a much better understanding on all of these things than I do. They're Brian Fanzo and Michael Stelzner. So let's figure some of this stuff out. And now we are joined by founder and CEO of Social Media Examiner and Social Media Marketing World. The reason why we're here, uh, Mr. Michael Stelzner, sorry I said that poorly, Stelzner, thank you so much for the time. Welcome to Growth Decoded. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Yes, absolutely. Okay, so um, one thing that I would love to talk with you about is trends that are kind of emerging in social media right now. So what are you, what are you seeing from a trends perspective um, at this moment in time? Well, a lot of people have been talking about how short form content is like hot. Right. But I'm here to tell you that the pendulum seems to be swinging back towards longer form media. So. As we heard recently, TikTok is getting into 10-minute videos, and we've got social audio, which is kind of like traditional long-form talking head talk radio, and we've got live video. Obviously, it's been around for a very long time. So, <coughs> excuse me. So what I'm what I'm beginning to notice is that there are a lot of people that have the desire to want to either be entertained or want to learn. And that's very hard to do in a 15-second TikTok or a reel. And this is an incredible opportunity for someone who has the ability to use their voice or someone who has the ability to turn on a camera and record video in a longer form like we're doing right now, or even for someone who wants to exercise a live experience. And that content is starting to kind of blow up again. So the idea that you know attention spans are getting shorter and everything has to be succinct and condensed is sort of old news? I would say there's a truth to it because it depends on the platform. So if you go to a platform with the intention of just scrolling, um, then of course you're going to be on and off the platform very quickly. But if you go to a platform with the intention of learning or being educated, like for example, YouTube, you're looking for something. If it's good, you will stick with the content longer, right? Or if you want to listen to audio uh, on podcasts 
or on YouTube or even in a live experience like in Twitter spaces, you will stay for a very long period of time if it's what you've been looking for. Right. So the intent, I think, is the key differentiator there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what, what are you, when you look at like the current social media landscape, like what, what's exciting to you right now? I'm frankly very excited about Web3. Okay. So Web3 means things like NFTs. It means things like social tokens. It means things like um, de decentralized autonomous organizations, which might be kind of Greek to a lot of people. But I believe that um, the world of Web3 is going to open up opportunities for decentralized social platforms. Mm. So right now, the world is dominated by about a handful of social platforms, right? You got Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, TikTok, and just a few others. Uh, but I believe that with the emergence of these decentralized open source solutions, we're gonna to begin to see major creators going over to these platforms and bringing audiences with them. And in this new world, this is a world where the platforms are owned by the users of the platform, not by this centralized control, mm. which is what we have today. And I believe that that's gonna open up a whole new opportunity for marketers and for creators. It certainly gives a lot of people a lot of homework to do um, in terms, I know I myself have to kind of get up to speed on what all of that you know, actually means and the implications of it all. Um, and one thing that is kind of interesting to kind of shift gears a little bit, um, we're here in person yes. for the first time in a couple of years, right? Yes. Um, which is awesome. But in the last two years, and I think social has played a big role of this, uh, to your point about long form content with live and everything else, the, the future of events is kind of interesting. Do you have any thoughts on like the hybrid nature of things? Because I think you know, digital events have gone through a, a renaissance of sorts in the last two years. So what do, what do events look like moving forward? Yeah, this is a fascinating question because we are present at Social Media Marketing World. Thousands of marketers from all over the world have come here in March of 2022, right? Just as the world is starting to open back up. I have been going to conferences over the last few months and there is a pent up desire for people to get back together. Right. Even though it's true that online um, events were very popular, it was because the world felt separated because we we're all stuck at home. And I believe that they are, now that the opportunities are to come back together, there's this desperate desire to get back together. And I'm of the mindset that actually physical events are gonna go through a bit of a renaissance era. While there are going to be people who are participating in this event remotely watching it live, I believe they might wanna come back next year. Because as we know, when we're sitting in front of a digital device, we are distracted by the other things that are on that digital device, like the Slack updates and the email updates and the social media pings. But when we're here, those things are put away. Right. And we're talking and we are connecting at a level that um, is very hard to do online. So I think there's gonna be a lot of opportunities for physical events to grow in the future. Mm, and, and if we could kind of combine the last two things, Web 3.0 and then the future yeah. of in-person events, does that have any implications with like social tokens and, and the different things that that brings like to in-person events? Does that add a new element or a new avenue? I think avenue? it does because fascinatingly enough, throughout the pandemic, the largest conferences in America have been crypto-based conferences. And I think part of it is because it's exciting, it's new. There are the opportunities to uh, essentially learn something new, but also to experience things like limited edition NFTs that some events are doing, um, fascinating things that are complicated to explain right now, but fascinating opportunities. That's why I recently launched a brand new show called Crypto Business. I believe that there, uh, it's a podcast, and I believe that there is going to be a really interesting connection between physical world and the online world, not just at events, but with products. And um, it's a little early to know exactly how that's all gonna play out, but I'm sure 
and as a matter of fact, I know with great confidence that there's a lot of companies working on trying to connect these things together, and it'll be really interesting to see where it goes. Mm. Final question. Yeah. When you're looking for information on, on trends, um, yeah. who, who do you look to for, for information? What sources? It's not easy to find information on trends because in order to have a trend, you need three points, right? You need, you need, you need uh, A, B, and C, right, in order to know which direction things are going. Sure. So one thing you can do is you can look at things like um, how big the social platforms are growing or shrinking, right, to kind of see whether or not um, you know, whether or not there's, you know, whether things have leveled out and they're starting to go down. Um, but it's not easy to find a lot of trends data, which is why we do original research at Social Media Examiner. So every year we publish a free industry survey called the Social Media Marketing Industry Report. It'll be coming out probably in May of this year, free to the world. Um, but it is very, very hard to know what trends are. But I would say, you know, you could go to Google Trends, mm -hmm. which is free, right? and you could put in um, a word like NFT, and you could kind of see whether or not the search volume is going up, which can kind of tell you something. It's all relative. Uh, and you can put it up against another word like social tokens, and you can kind of tell which ones people are searching on more than others. But data is one of those things that's a little kind of like difficult to really, for our, us average entrepreneurs and marketers to wrap our heads around. But uh, it does require a lot of paying attention, a lot of surveying in order to really get to the bottom of trends. But uh, I spent a lot of time doing it. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you for doing it. We appreciate it a lot. Um, and we'll definitely check out that report when it comes out. Thank uh, you. But Michael, thank you so much for the time. We appreciate it. Oh, my it. pleasure. All right. And now we are joined by Brian Fanzo, who is a keynote speaker, podcast host, NFT, Web 3.0 expert, um, and amongst many other things. Brian, thank you so much. Welcome to Growth Decoded. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Yes, absolutely. Um, very excited to talk to you about this thing that we call Web 3.0. Um, I've certainly heard a lot about it. I don't know too much about it, and I think a lot of people are in a similar position to me. So if you could kind of like walk us through, like what is, what is it, what does it mean? Well, you know, last night we got the chat a little bit, and I would say for anyone that's about asking questions, and you did a great job on that side, so I think you're, a, you're above, way above the average, so you give yourself a little credit there. So I, you know, Web 3 really is a shift in how we think about ownership and digital value. Okay. And for the longest time, so like web one was the idea of websites provide us information. Web two was a switch to content and social interaction. And if we look at web three, it's now taking ownership of our data, our information, the way we share. And so it is a shift. And like the big fundamental piece is the technology is called the blockchain that of course is underneath of web three. But interestingly enough, it's the thing that people aren't gonna have to care about what is underneath. It's very much like no one cares what our cell phone towers are. They they just want their cell phone to work. The blockchain is ending, you know, ending up what that is, but what it really enables is it allows us for the first time to provide a transparent way that also ha has validation of sharing data online. So, and it doesn't matter, it can be, you know, we can do photos, it can be cryptocurrency, all of that is built on the blockchain. So ultimately the blockchain is facilitating this Web3 kind of transformation. Okay. Um Thank you. That is like so helpful to say. Like you don't necessarily. Like, it's like cell phone towers, right? Nobody really cares where they are. They just care that the service works. Right. So that's really helpful because I think people hear the word blockchain and like kind of get a weird, squirmy like anxiety because yeah. Like, and then I don't someone says it's is. like a, they're like it's a ledger, like Excel spreadsheets, and you're like. Now I think I'm even more confused because <laughs> how does an Excel spreadsheet going to do something good for me? So yeah, for me, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's really just this shift in saying, imagine if everything you did online had a valid, was validated and transparently could be viewed, then we're going to remove a lot of these barriers that we've had, especially over the last 10, 15 years. So 
I mean, I'm thinking of different applications and what that means for so many different things. But one thing it seems like is like security and maybe protection of like IP. Um, I was talking to Bree Anderson yesterday, and she um, had mentioned the the Coinbase Super Bowl ad, the QR code that was bouncing all yep. over. Um, and it, I thought it was brilliant, right? Yep. Uh, I think a lot of people did. But then we kind of found out a little bit later on that it was an idea that was presented to them that they had passed on and then took as their own. Ironically, it's for Coinbase, but it's like the idea that you know if they had maybe taken that strategy and and made it on Web 3.0. And forgive me if my verbiage is wrong, right. but it's like if if it's out there and it's validated, then like that would never happen. Is right. that? So if you think about this, every interaction from an agency to a communicator, if it was minted onto the blockchain, there's a transaction history. There's who did it, when it was done, you know, date and time. That immediately eliminates that scenario. So now every RFP, every reply will be. I'm just going to mint it on the blockchain. They don't pick your, your, yours, but they go with someone else two years from now. Your proof of saying, hey, well, you got it from us for, it's actually validated online. And the beauty of that is, it's not about you know, putting that data somewhere else, it's us putting it on the blockchain. So like, it's individual ownership. In that case, it could be the agency's individual ownership. And that's gonna be across the board. And the beauty is, like right now, a lot of the tech is kind of being developed, become more user-friendly, because one of the fundamental changes is this idea of decentralization. It's gonna be, it's me. It's trend, a trend that we're going to hear a lot of conversations. But really, what decentralization, like the, the the like the big picture, is like we control everything ourselves, and there's no passing of anything you know uh, on other sides of the fence. That's really going to be hard for us because we've for our entire internet world, we've loved centralized functionality. And so there's, there's going to be like an interesting balance. And that use case, I think, is, is a beautiful one because it's now going to be, you don't have to like trust me. I can actually validate everything on the blockchain. So it's like, don't trust me, trust the blockchain. And the beauty is right now, the blockchain is immutable and for the most part, highly secure. We're, well, I, can't, I don't like saying fully secure because that's just a little scary to say. And, and you know, I worked in cybersecurity for nine years, so I don't ever say anything's fully secure. But sure. that's definitely interesting trend. Okay, so uh, we were just talking to Michael Stelzner, and he was talking about you know like social tokens and and different things. There, what what is what does that mean? Sure. So I actually launched my own social token a year ago yesterday. So uh, so it's 366 days old. It's the ADHD coin. And really, it comes down to the fundamental idea of the creator economy. Okay. And so a creator economy ultimately means how can we be self-sufficient and create our own economy not tied to a platform, right? I've been doing influencer work for seven years, and a lot of it's based on, okay, this is my Instagram influence. Like, if someone buys me a badge on Instagram, it's an Instagram badge. I can't take that anywhere else. It's very, you know, and even for gamers, like a gamer gets spy skins and increases in a level, it's always linked into that game. You can't take that, you can't resell it. But on this blockchain shift, the idea that everything, once it's minted on the, onto the blockchain, can now be sent or transferred in value, right? So that's what I was referring to at the beginning. So really this idea of social tokens is another entry point. The beauty of social tokens is what the word is utility. So social tokens are actually much more like NFTs than they are cryptocurrency. But it's easy to kind of think like, okay, well, cryptocurrency, like Ethereum, Bitcoin, those must be the same as someone having a crater coin or a social token. But they're not because for, like, for those that hold the social token that I have, just by holding one of them, you're not sending it to me so this isn't transactional. You hold one, you get access to our Discord. If you hold 93, that's my hockey number, so I picked that as my number. If you hold 93, it unlocks your ability to come to a, a webinar every month for you to only people that get access to it are those that hold 93 of those coins. And then we also have done things like you can buy merch. You can actually buy like the hat where you can use those coins to do so. And so I do giveaways. I can, and so for me, the beauty of this is that others can interact with it. And it's a very much, 
I'm giving away my end of my keynote tomorrow, but um, the, the, the last slide is, for me, it's the first time in the digital age with social tokens, with NFTs, that we can truly create a community where the rising tide lifts all ships. Because if you yesterday, if you, when I launched yesterday's coin, you know, it was 34 cents, which like the price doesn't, you know, that's one component. But just in a year, in one year, you would have got, you know, by buying a coin for over a year, you would have got rewards every week. You would have got access to exclusive events for me every, every, you know, uh, every month. And then you also build on to other things within our, in our community. So social tokens, you know, I look at there's four ways into Web3. We have cryptocurrency, social tokens, NFTs, and the metaverse. Ultimately, Web3 is that middle spoke, and I don't really care how people get into the, the Web3 arena, but that's one of the, you know, the four um, you know, kind of entry points, and social tokens and NFTs are kind of the place where I focus. Interesting. So, I mean, like, with, with social tokens, I mean, at an event like this, right, there's different tiers to the tickets. There's different tiers to membership, and the way that you're using it, you know, if you have one, you have access here. You're at this level. If you have multiple, you're, there's different tiers. Am I yep. understanding that? That's correct. And so, like, I mean, events is a great one. Like, you know, this is my, I've been here every year at this event. Okay. And ultimately, I should have an NFT for each year that I've been at the event we're at. And with eight NFTs, I get access to the VIP open bar. Because I don't even have, you don't even have to validate. You don't have, like, and you also don't have to worry that that isn't true because it shows each year they're minted by the, you know, the event. I have to be here in person. So like for my event, this is a, a good example. So for those that are at my session tomorrow, I'm going to airdrop an NFT to everyone in the audience. So we're going to have a, a QR code. You just scan it. it has, you have to be here in the proximity. So those that see it on Twitter won't even be able to get it. And the beauty of it is what we're doing is we're doing an exclusive VIP party next year at this same event. The only people that get access were those that came to watch my session. So they're all gonna have that ticket, that token with them. And yes, that we can, we're gonna do some things around, like throughout the year, we're gonna do some like fun like, giveaways. But next year, if someone just comes to the event, they're gonna get free access into something that no one else can. So there's like an element of exclusivity that NFTs can unlock. That's, there's so, I'm like, my brain is going crazy right now, just with all the different like use cases that there are for this. I mean, like community building and oh, just yes. general gamification of, of everything. And so I guess what I, what I'm struggling to kind of wrap my head around is like the difference between what what it is now and where we're going is sort of the the access to it or well, I mean, it's, the, it's really the, I mean, part of the blockchain scenarios we have now is there's lots of blockchains that are powering, you know, the cryptocurrencies that are out there, right? And, and I, it's funny, there's all, I was actually on a call today, because, like, like, there's the Ethereum blockchain, and the crypto is actually Ether, with, that was actually between the two. But we, we kind of use those words in between. It's just kind of like the, the cross side. The problem today is a lot of the tech was built to be truly decentralized, and no one's built bridges between them. So if I want to take one coin to get it to another, some of them I can go through an exchange, some of them I can go through a swap, but all of that is very like complex kind of crypto language. Very soon we're going to move to this idea where like your wallet, which is in the Web3, the wallet is uh, the same as your single sign-on, right? Anyone that's signed on to anything, it pops up and says, you know, log in with Google or your Facebook. Well, if you think about it, you're logging on with a platform's data validation. Like, it's, a, it's a weird concept. Like, to, to tell me who you are, validate through a platform. Well, in Web3, they're called wallets, and the wallets are actually owned by us. And so when we validate, it's actually us validating, and, and very soon will be us deciding what data is actually throttled. So whenever I validate, it'll pop up and say, this website would like access to this data, and for doing so, they're going to give you this. And for the first time, we're shifting the power because let's face it, something like Instagram, if we all stop using Instagram today, Instagram dies. They, they literally have only, but 
for all of us that have been using Instagram, what have we got other than a free service, right? And, and we've built, the, I mean, social media has been built on this concept, right? If you're getting something for free, you're paying with it with your data. Well, the problem has been that's very still one directional, and now this is switching on its head. So like in the future, the idea will be, you know, let's say, you know, platforms like Instagram, of course, are going to, uh, you know, migrate very well. You know, the fact that Meta is now the name, like, I mean, I think Zuckerberg's going to have some really cool ways for us to kind of rethink about these platforms. But imagine if Instagram was saying, like, hey, we now realize that, you, that your audience is really into email. And we have advertisers that would love to use your data, your, you know, uh, to out there. But to do so, our advertisers are willing to give you an NFT that gives you a year license to that software. The beauty of it is like anyone could give a license today, but if you get that NFT for a year license with software, you could sell it to yourself to anyone else because you own the NFT. And so that's one of the biggest components because I think the, the other hard, hard part to wrap our head around is a lot of these steps and functionality exist today. Like we're not like reinventing every kind of you know scenario, but the problem has been how do we validate a lot of these things, right? If someone gives you, we've all done it, right? you, you get like a special code to log into a website to get your software discount. Well, how do you know someone hasn't taken that code, put it into a Reddit form, and now all of a sudden there's thousands of people that are that are actually you know using that same code? You can drop an NFT based on a location that is only done on this day, and it's only those that got it on this day, and there's no hard work. It's literally put it on the blockchain and send it out. And so like the beauty is this idea of validating digital ownership, which to me unlocks every industry there is. Yeah. So I'm thinking like one with that, I mean, I search for, you know, if you're buying something from an e-commerce site, you search, you know, name of the site, promo code, yep, right? Of and course. then just, just fishing for a discount. Yeah. But then there's also some aspects I feel like that have already kind of come into play, right? So like the mail privacy protection with uh, iOS 15 is kind of leaning in towards some of this, right? Yep, and like some of, some of the um, ideas of like your, your iPhone, at least I know I, I use Apple, so that's why yeah, I know too. that, but it's like, do you give permission for this app to share data across other platforms? So is like, is that just the next step then? But that's going to be everywhere, as opposed to like only on a specific device or only with a specific app. So right now they're asking us to give up the data that is all already sitting on their server, right? So the problem still exists to the fact that they're saying, "Hey, we have this on you. Let us use it." The, to truly shift the power dynamic, it needs to be you have it. Can I have access to it? Yeah. And so that's and so that's a step in the right direction. And let's face it, we're not going full. You know, no no digital transformation in ever has ever been like an instant you know light switch, right? Like we, it takes. I mean, there's a lot of companies still migrating to the cloud. There's a lot of companies that have just launched their first social media account, right? So we're seeing a, it's going to take some time. But I think this, these are starts because now people are recognizing that like my data is valuable. But also sometimes I want to give my data up. Like I'm someone like I love whenever I forget to check out on Amazon and I'm on. Facebook, Facebook and it pops and says, Brian, your, your Chuck Taylor shoes are still in your car. Like, I think it's a great, like for me, I'm like, oh yeah, it is. And so there are people that will give up more data because A, I have it and you're going to give me a better experience. But in this world we've created, we've given away way too much. And there's like, how do we, we can't just like all of a sudden turn it off. We just have to switch the way it's stored, switch the way it's managed. And the beauty of that, things like we've seen, you know, a lot of the data issues that we've seen over the years, those are eliminated because no one entity is holding all the things. I mean, as wild as it seems, if I told you, I'm curious when you signed up for a social media platform, that's what action you took, but you have to go to each of those platforms to decide what the data about you and your behaviors. And it's just, I mean, it's, it's, not, it's not like it wasn't broken, it was the only way we could think about building it. And now, the, now that the machine got so big, we're not like, okay, now we flip it back on its head. And that digital ownership is really what Web3 kind of represents. Okay, I, this is so helpful because it's like, 
I feel like I, I, a lot of people are kind of scared of it, yep. of what's coming, but it's, this is making it very easy to understand. So thank you for that. And now a word from our sponsor. With ActiveCampaign, you can run marketing automations as well as send one-to-one -one emails and transactional messages, securing your communications in one place and providing a seamless experience for your customers, no matter who is sending it. And with our flexible plans, you can buy what you need to get started without having to pay for everything up front. Try it for free at ActiveCampaign.com. All right, I'm feeling quite a bit better about this whole Web3 thing. Seems like there's gonna be quite a bit of change and quite a few benefits for all of us, regardless of whether you got in on Bitcoin in 2017 or last week or not at all. Web3 is the next iteration of this wonderful worldwide web of things we call the internet. And it introduces some solutions to problems that the previous iterations, AKA the current internet, has. From IP security to authentication to ownership over your data, it seems like there's a lot to like. The thing is, like most people, it's hard to see the more practical applications of this stuff, right? How can everyday businesses use it? We hear a lot about the metaverse, but what about reality? How does this stuff apply to base reality, the observable universe, the one that we can feel and smell and move with our hands? Let's go back to Brian. If we're thinking about like where do you where do you go to like learn more or where would you recommend somebody go if they're looking to like learn more to understand more about this whole thing are there are there sources of information that you like to turn to? Well, I host a daily podcast, so that's uh, you know the reason. Boom. Yeah, the yes. reason I um, I mean the reason I launched a daily podcast. I've hosted podcasts, five podcasts over seven years. I've been a podcaster for a long while, but when I was doing it in this space, I was like, it's changing so rapidly, and also I really focus on like it's an educational podcast. It's not a news podcast. Not really even on trends. It's more of like, hey, these are things that are happening, um, and so for me, I was like, I need to do it every day. But I will say like I learn a lot, and, it, and it's kind of like a cross section, right? Because we need to understand where we're going, right? But I think sometimes we can get too distracted by the shiny object of where we're going. So I like to say we need to focus on where our customers are today, but listen for where they're going tomorrow. So listening to some podcasts about the metaverse, um, I'm a big fan of, of tapping into some of like the, uh, you know, even from a standpoint of like understanding the nuances of cryptocurrency. Like I, I'm not a finance or econ guy, but the more I leaned in to understand what does this crypto actually mean? What is it? Why is there a finite amount of it compared to not being a finite amount of you know, money? We've, we've been printing money for years. So like, I'm a big fan of like that kind of learning. And I will say, Twitter, crazy enough. I know a lot of people love Twitter. I've, I've always loved Twitter. But I will say Web3 has really, I mean, re, I mean, Twitter has a resurgence right now because of Web3. And I think the reason is, is Web3 is powered not by just marketers, but not even by just like developers. Not, it's a, you need an eclectic group of people to kind of bring this to life. You need people that understand the blockchain, understand cryptocurrency. You need marketers. You need community managers. And you need email. I mean, like I, I, made this, I made this point yesterday. Like I truly do believe like our the more transparent our communication can be in this Web3 world, the easier this entire place be. And right now, it's unfortunate. Like, a lot of our communication is Twitter and Discord, are like the two channels that are popular. And ultimately, they're going to have to figure out how to change that, right? They're going to need to embrace email. They're going to even embrace, you know, because really we, we preach transparency, yet we're being transparent in places that are often hard to find for those that are, are part of these communities. So um, Twitter has made a massive resurgence. So I, I'm really loving Twitter for it. And even Twitter's algorithm has really done a great job of like the more hashtags that you're looking into, the more it's kind of serving it up. And I think like that's an interesting spot. But just like everything, uh, you have to 
do your own research, right? And that's, you know, D-Y-O-D-R is, like, is what we use in ours. Uh, and it's just because there's a lot of people that can give you false information, right? I think you have to do your research on your source. Uh, and then I think also the thing that to avoid, like, the scary part is, like, the unknown is always scary, right? And there's two things about it. Like, we know it's coming, so there's not, like, a, hey, this might be where we're going. And I think it's most important for us to look at and say, what small changes can I make today that will make my future migration easier tomorrow. It's not about making all the, like, it's not about all of a sudden switching and saying, I'm no longer letting people log onto my website by this, by my, by their Google authentication. But it's like, okay, well, how are we storing that data? And if we were gonna change, what are the things we would need to start doing? And I would say the companies that start looking at their data management, looking at how they interact with their community today, will be prepared as Web3 makes sense to their customers, because it's, it's gonna be a different time frame for everybody. Right. And okay, so with the timeline, um, I think there's a lot of, you know, people look at things like Bitcoin or they look at things like Ethereum and it's like the value gets so high and there's like all this hype around it and there's also a, a feeling that's kind of common that's like the ship has sailed, Yep. right? It's like too late for me to get into it or, or that's like a thing that I just, you know, I passed on. But it sounds like Web3 is kind of inevitable. It is. And so it's like at this point... Um, you're going to have to learn or get familiar with it at some point. For is sure. that is that for sure? And I would say I would argue like this next year, I don't believe we move much more forward in Web three. We ultimately refine a lot of the Web three entry points because right now they're very either disconnected or they're very complex. Like I mean I spent four hours trying to onboard one, you know, it was one NFT project into a, a new blockchain, and I took four hours, and I've been spending, you know, 60 hours a week on this. So I think what we're going to see over the next year is we're going to refine them. So if someone's not looking at Web3 and you're going to start today, it's actually a much better point than if you started a year ago, because you would have had to gone through all those pains. And like I like to say, you don't have to unlearn Right? You have, a lot of times as an early adopter, that's, like my, that's where my swim lane is as a speaker. I, I help brands understand the, the early adoption phase. A lot of the brands that get in early, they might get like that early advantage, but then they also have to unlearn things as things are, are going to smooth out as they change the narrative. Right. And for those getting in now, I think a lot of the things that are in place, a lot of the ways uh, you know, Michael Stelzner brought up, you know, the decentral uh, autonomous organizations, the idea of a DAO, like the idea that if you are an owner of a product or service, you will have a vote on what the next year's model looks like and it's all done on the blockchain transparently no one needs to you just log in it verifies that you bought the the you know you bought the shoes next year when they're deciding what color shoes they're going to put out they let you as last year's owner vote on that it happens all on the blockchain and all of that tech exists today we just need to educate right on that so that one's there and to educate there's other aspects where like i want to be able to airdrop an nft here at this event i had to build my own tech with my designer and my team and for us to actually physically make that be able to happen but Three months from now, there's going to be you know nine apps that are going to allow me to do that. Interesting. Okay. So, kind of turning this one more time yep. um, to you know a lot of our audience, a lot of people watching, you know, they're small business owners or they're people who work for smaller businesses and they're trying to get up to speed on all of this. What is the like the immediate application or like how do, how would they get started? In, in terms of like using some of these new features or using some of the, the new capabilities that Web 3.0 offers? So, I mean, I, I mean I'm, I'm really bullish on NFTs and it's funny to say that because like a year ago, I was the person that said like, why are people buying $400 eight pictures of apes? Like, you know, like that doesn't make sense. <laughs> But in, in, and I'm known like you know the keynote that I've given like my brand is called press the damn button because I I just love people to take action. Weirdly in this space, I actually think you have to be a consumer before you're a creator, and it's odd. But the reason is is there's some nuances that exist, and so what I recommend is actually if, explore the concept of an NFT and, 
and buy into an NFT project. Some of them can be as low as $6, $80. I got a free drop uh, three months ago, and it, it was a, an amazing community. And the reason I say to jump in on an NFT is you just want to see what it unlocks. All of a sudden, you're going to get access to a community and people, and you're going to start getting, you're going to see some of those nuances. And especially like a small business, like I think small business, like customer loyalty is a big one, right? Word of mouth marketing. Imagine if, Rather than you like hoping and betting on word of mouth marketing, you're able to empower your customers. When they left your store, you're like, okay, here's, here's your product, here's an NFT. Anytime that you use this URL and you get 10 of them, like 10 signups, 10 talks about it, we're gonna give you a second NFT. Anyone that has two NFTs, you get 20% off your next purchase no matter what. Now, as a small business owner, that might sound like, wait, I already have a loyalty program. The beauty of this is you do nothing with it at, then, at that point because it's all on the blockchain. There's no validation. We've all, you know, like anytime someone gets, uh, my family owned a frozen yogurt shop growing up. We had a fan, uh, family frozen yogurt shop. My dad hated it because we did a punch card, right? right where it's like you got, you got your 10 punches. Well, someone in that local area went and got the same punch that we did and, was, and come in and get their free. And you know, how did we validate that? There was no way to, so then we started like signing out on the back. When you're doing all of these things, in this world, it says like you have to be in the store to get the first one, and then you connect those codes. And then when someone comes in, they don't even have to do anything. They go to the checkout, they scan their wallet, and now it unlocks that 20%. And the beauty of these type of, of these type of things is like for customers, there's all now now there's a gamification. There's now even the side if they say, you know what, I got my 20% off, but I don't want to use it. I'm going to send it to somebody. They can do it because it's all on the blockchain. So that ownership, because that's, that's, there's nothing more frustrating than winning something or getting a discount and realizing you can't use it. Right. Because you, you feel like a waste, you feel like, oh, well, but now it's like, hey, I still got it. I can send it to somebody. I, you know, it's, it's almost like you know, in the world of gift cards, right? Like we love gift cards for a lot of reasons because we can re-gift them even. Right? Like, we can say like, hey, I got this, I don't need it. And in, and in this digital world, we should have that with every interaction, every way. And so I really think customer loyalty is going to be empowered for small businesses. And we're also gonna see things like, you know, go to three of our locations, take a picture of three QR codes. We're gonna give you this NFT. The NFT is gonna unlock where you get to come in the store an hour early every single time to get, so you don't have to deal with our customers, right? Like those kind of things can be done in a very fluid, transparent way. And I think the beauty of this is that it, it requires a lot less, like it sounds overwhelming for a small business owner, but in a weird way, it's gonna take away all of the pain because it's all done autonomously and it's validated. You don't have to worry about someone putting your code on Reddit. You can literally know that, hey, I, they got this and I can see the transaction I can, and it all you know, kind of instantly unlocks. So we, uh, Active Campaign, you know, we are customer experience automation. We're very, very focused and invested into it, making the customer experience you know, unique and as good as possible, incredible for customers you know, at scale. And so sure. what it sounds like to me, like I'm taking this and thinking about it from a customer experience standpoint, it just sounds like there's so much opportunity and you know, use cases and different ways that you can use these these tools yep. to create a unique experience for people. You can make it fun. Like almost everything becomes an experience it rather is. than just like a checkpoint or like moving through you know the traditional buying cycle. So I mean, your your um, example of the loyalty program, or you know, we'll give you an NFT and or we'll give you ten of them, and then every time if you bring customers in, like just the the ideas of making that like a thing that's one trackable because people love gamification for sure, um, but also just making you turn the whole thing into a unique experience that's specific to your business, and I just think that that is like ultimately what we're you know constantly trying to to move towards and, and create for people, but just that Web 3.0, the, the tools that come along with that, it just seems like it's 
it's going to all be experience-based. It is, and I think also the beauty of this is, you know, in a lot of those touch points, it, it still is like, hey, I want you to complete the onboard training, right? Like, we want you to complete this. But part of the problem is, like, we know a lot of people aren't doing that, right? And even if we incentivize them, for everyone that completes the onboard training, you get, you know, 10% off next month's, you know, package. Well, what if I was able to give them something of digital value that they could decide to hold or sell? So rather than now, it says, the minute that you finish the last onboard training of our, of our solution, there's an NFT in your wallet. That NFT can be used for any of all, your future months, or you can send it to a friend a neighbor, a coworker, for them to sign up for our product and service, right? So now it has the gamification. It allows digital sharing and ownership. Yeah. And it also shifts a lot of the power in the head because if you think about customer experience in, let's say, gym memberships, Everyone knows how that kind of works, right? A lot of people sign up for a gym, usually around December, January, right? When, when we have like our New Year's resolution, we're ready. And you sign up and, and insta weirdly enough, a gym is powered by their people that show up. If the gym, they're gonna lose business if no one actually shows up to their uh, you know, place. But when you sign up for a gym membership, you sign away like your rights, you have to have like a one year cancellation, you have all these things. Well, it's because we kind of lost control. But what if every gym membership, you only had 10,000 seats possible for the, gym, for the gym membership, and everyone who signed up, you just got an NFT. And you decided three months in that you were like, yeah, I'm not gonna be going to my gym. You can post it on their website for anyone else to buy that. Well now, how, many more, how much more likely am I going to sign up for the gym? Very much more likely. The other part of this is, built into that NFT, 10% every time it's sold goes back to the, the business built into the contract, and that's kind of like the, the right now most NFTs have like a 10 cents or 10% in perpetuity uh, return back to the original creator. So like if you're an artist, you have an NFT, every time it's sold, you get 10% of that sale. It's gonna remove the starving from the starving artist. That's like the beauty of NFTs. But it could do that in the gym membership scenario. And then a lot of people come back and say, well, what's in it for the gym owners? Because now you're like, you know, it sounds like this is all customer based. Well, the beauty is you now know if you deliver superior service, the value of those secondary market when someone wants to sell is gonna be even higher, so you're gonna get a higher percentage. And when you have to say like, why should you sign up for the gym? 5,000 people have the option to sell theirs every month and they don't, right? Like, rather than saying half the people in here, we've opted them in for a second year because we, we, you know, we kind of forced their hand because we, we knew we had a, you know, a high cancellation fee. And so a lot of the things, like the nuances, because I believe in ex you know, the customer experience without question, and I believe how do we turn customers into fans, fans into influencers, even you know, fans into super fans, we have to shift the dynamic of being like about us, right, and make it about them, but it's hard to get that trust to, to actually live. And I think giving them something that they own, like that's the beauty. Like when you sign up for the gym membership, you own the, the membership NFT. You decide how much you use it, if you want to sell it, if you want to gift it to somebody. And I, we're going to see this hit. Like every, I, I believe every company's, they're going to actually give you your time off. Every day off that you have is an NFT. And you can decide, some people don't like taking their days off. I can give it to a friend or a coworker that just had a baby and I want them to stay off. I can just send them the NFT. The company can see it transparently, who's gifting them those days off. And we now have that ownership because there's nothing more frustrating than feeling like, well, I didn't use my days off and they kind of went wasted, but they're mine because that's part of my benefit for the company. And NFT switches that dynamic as well and really unlocks a lot of things that I think like employee retention, you know, a lot of the things that I believe that kind of that experience are kind of built on. Mm. When someone hears something about like an NFT and like their exposure is like, you know, a board ape or they're, I don't like saying like what they're exposed to is wrong because like to me that's like that like every person does that. I'm like, oh, you're right. That might not be a use case for you. Did you think about car dealership? And like when I when I provide a perspective that they hadn't thought 
now all of a sudden it unlocks the conversation. Like that's really what I've like. That's been my sweet spot across the board. Well, yeah, because I think a, a lot of what you do here is that sensationalized stuff. That's yeah. like the pictures of apes or you know the the new high for Bitcoin. It's like these things that people feel so detached from that it feels so far away yep. that it, it's hard to wrap their heads around. And you know. If you want to learn, look for bad use cases of these things, <laughs> they're everywhere, right? Like, and it's just like every technology, right? We could say, I mean, the amount of bad use cases for the iPhone when the iPhone came out, where people that you know, people are getting killed walking into a subway, or, you know, you can really like lean into a lot of these bad. But if you're able to realize, wait a second, it could unlock customer loyalty where the customer has control, and my lo most loyal super customers, could I could really empower them with this? Now they're not thinking about the board ape or Bitcoin. They're now thinking about a new way to think something in their you know, own environment. So those are great questions. Like yeah. That. Brian, thank you so much. Thank you. I mean, really cleared up a lot. Um, and I think a, a lot of people watching will have a, a much better understanding of what all of this means. So really appreciate, appreciate it. it. Thank you. Thank you. Well, that was certainly a learning experience for me. And I hope it was helpful for you as well. The applications for Web3 are much more broad than I would have ever thought. And as Brian and Michael both pointed out, only time will tell where and how these applications will manifest themselves. From loyalty programs to exclusive events, from membership to ownership to commission, and yes, of course, several hundred thousand dollars for a digital image of an ape. The transition to Web3, to NFTs and social tokens and cryptocurrency will be interesting. But as Brian pointed out, no digital transformation has ever happened overnight. And they all seemed overwhelming and potentially scary at one point as well. I want to say thank you to Brian and Michael for sitting down with us. And thank you to you for your time watching this episode. That's our show. I'm Ernie. This is Plantasia. This is Growth Decoded. Go forth and automate. Thanks for listening to Growth Decoded to Go. For the latest updates on Growth Decoded and links to the live show, you can sign up to be a part of the Grow team at activecampaign.com slash events slash growth hyphen decoded.